sure is good to have you here on this Resurrection Sunday. How many of you have ever seen the uh, TV show Deal or No Deal? Anybody ever seen that? Anybody want to admit it? It's almost like the day that, you know, Elvis died or something. I can remember where I was the first time I saw it. I don't know why. Thanksgiving one year, I was at my sister's house in Memphis, and that show came on, and I thought, man, I've never heard of this before, and I didn't know if Howie Mandel was dead or alive. Or, I'm not sure what happened to old Howie. He's back on TV, got an extreme haircut, and he's, and he's in another show, and I thought, this is the next step past who wants to be a millionaire. And I thought, this is my kind of show. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to answer any questions. You just go for money. I thought, why haven't they thought of this before? Uh, three. You win. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's my kind of show right there. You don't have to study. Jeopardy's way too much work. This is like Wheel of Fortune on speed. As I watch Deal or No Deal, I noticed something, though. You always have that point where the banker calls and the little box is open and there's the red button and the briefcases are lined out and the money's tracked out on the screen. And then, then they always go to this um, group that they've called in just for this show. It's, you know, this is my dad or my mom or my cousin or my uncle or my boss or my friend or whatever. And they go to this group to, to appeal for, for help in making this decision on whether I should go for the money or, or stop. And I don't know if you've noticed, but as I watched a few of them, I, I thought, have you heard stupider advice in all your life? They give some of the dumbest, outright, outlandish advice I've ever heard. You, you hear things like this. Should I, should I go for the money or not? And they say, yes, why? Because you deserve it. Oh, in that case, I didn't even think. You deserve it. Advice like that. I just, Howie, I just feel, I just feel the million dollars is in my case. You see an aura around it, or you think they do. I just feel the money is in my case. What number are you going to pick next? I'm going to pick 23. Why? It was my jersey number in high school. So does that mean there's a lot in there or not much? I'm not sure. Horoscopes. Lucky rabbit's feet. I saw one lady who had 26 grandchildren and a picture of each one of them. And she made them write a number on the back of the picture on which case she was going to pick. Four. Little Elmer says four. Four. I just know if I just... Think, think about torturing your grandchildren. If I just put what I win on my grandchildren, how would you like to be one of the 26 that blew it for Momo? <laughs> I wasn't even there. Sorry. I've heard family members cheer them on through false optimism. That's not enough money for you. You go for You've had a hard life. You deserve it. It's got to be in your case. So many contestants are filled with unchangeable optimism and oftentimes telling Howie Mandel how they're going to win. I heard one lady say, I hear voices. What are the voices telling you? Why do 
if the voices ever say, you're going to die. The voices always say, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. Howie, the voices are telling me, I'm going to win. And I guess you could say that the contestants are hopeful. The only problem is, is their hope is based... Well, I can't figure out what their hope is based on. Nothing. Nobody ever explains why they're so convinced that Momo has to win the million. Nobody ever explains it. The briefcases, see, here's what's funny to me, and I don't think, I think when they sign the disclaimer going on the show, they don't actually get it. These are randomly placed on stage. <laughs> that might not mean much to Does that word random cut through their optimism at all? These cases are randomly placed on stage. In other words, you can pick in any order you want. No science, no feeling, no luck, no optimism, no strategy is going to give you an advantage on which case you draw. I would love to go on that show. They would hate it if I went on. Because I would go, what case? Number one. What's your next pick? Two. What's the next one? Three. Where are you going to go next? Four. Join us after this commercial break and see what he picks. Five. It's random. So there's nothing you can do to get an advantage over it. You might as well just go backward or frontward or any way you want. It's random. Where does hope come from? I was doing some internet uh, searching on this question. And I tripped across something that fascinated me. Someone was doing a research paper and wrote in, I'm writing a speech about Anne Frank and how she stayed positive and held on to hope. I need opinions of where hope comes from. The number one, now listen to this, the number one response chosen by voters on the internet to that question on where hope comes from is this. What it boils down to is simple. Everything can give you hope. Whether it's the Bible or an ant carrying a leaf ten times its mass. It's one and the same. But no one thing can give you the hope to survive. It must be an accumulation of things. <laughs> I read that and I thought, oh, that sounds good. It just doesn't mean anything. It makes you dizzy. Oh, okay, I understand. Everything can give you hope. No, 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 not everything. Just one thing. No, not one thing. It's actually a bunch of stuff stuck together. Everything stuck together can give you hope. That's what that sounds like that says. Everything can give you hope. No, not everything. An ant can give you hope. A lucky rabbit's foot. Your grandchildren's 26 pictures with numbers on the back. Anything can give you hope. Everything can give you... That almost sounds... Well, you know what? That sounds random. It sounds like the same thing. It seems like to me that we've entered a time where all language is acceptable as long as it carries one trait. It has to be positive. As long as what you say is positive, it's acceptable. It doesn't matter if it's true. Go for it, Momo! You've had a hard life. You deserve it. It's got to be in there. And then they go away, you know, with like $150. Well, apparently it didn't have to be in there. Things always work out. You ever heard anybody say, well, I, I hope this will pass. 
Just hold on. Things will get better. You hear it in people's advice. It almost feels like to me in life, we all have those voices that we look to like that little committee that's just off the side of deal or no deal. And unfortunately, a lot of the advice and those voices that we hear sound the same. It's got to be in there. It's got to be in there. It sounds good. It makes me even feel better a little bit. But it, it doesn't, it's not based on anything. It seems to be a clear picture of the times we live in. We live in a time that it's acceptable as long as it's positive. We live in a time that borders on outright denial. We avoid some of the negative things that are hurting us, but we're not allowed to talk about them, even if they're true, because it makes us feel bad to talk about them. If you talk about negative things, even if they're true, even if it's helpful, most of the time, you will not gather an audience. The new politically correct language in America seems to be positive self-talk, based on nothing. Today, we're starting a new series called Real Hope. For the next five weeks, we're going to talk about real hope. And we are going to cover such an unusual variety of topics, all centered on the need for real hope. Today, my message is, real hope lives let me, I find, it, I find it helpful at times to sometimes learn what something is not to help me understand what it is. Let me tell you what real hope is not. Real hope is not wishing. Uh, a wish comes from what we want or what we think should happen. I wish you well. Uh, now, some of you won't remember this, but how many of you remember when you were a kid, you looked through the wish book before Christmas? Remember that? I'd say, I want everything on that page, and I want everything on that page, I want everything on that page. And I learned quick why they call it a wish book. Because you don't get everything you wish for. And then you'd pull a wishbone. I don't, I, we have chicken fingers now, they're boneless. Wishbone. A wishing well. Throw a nickel in. At the birthday party, put the candles in the cake and we light them and we say, now make a wish. But as the years go by, those candles seem to multiply. And, and so does the reality that the things that we wish when we blow the candles out don't necessarily come true. Hope, real hope, is not wishing. It's not self-indulgent wishing or empty wishing. Here's the other thing it's not. It's not optimism. I've had people, just be positive. Well, it's better than being negative. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that anything's going to change just because you're optimistic. Optimism is regularly mistaken for hope. Look on the bright side. What side am I looking on now? Optimism is a way of focusing on part of something that's good, but it's not the same thing as hope. Some people are optimistic by personality. Some people are optimistic because they're naive. <laughs> they just don't realize how bad it could get. Some people are optimistic because they're conditioned to be that way. 
Hope isn't wishing or optimism. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 19. And as you look at that verse, what I want to do is I want you to look for where you see the word hope show up. Look in this passage for where you see the word hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 16 through 19. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep to Christ are lost. Now look at 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we're to be pitied more than all men. If the words written in this book and the service that we just experienced and your attendance at a local church and your participation in a small group or a Sunday school class and your education in the church and your knowledge of God and, you, and, and the good things that you've done in your life in an attempt to serve God and reach out to Him... If, if all of those things only allow you to have hope in this life, then this verse says, you are more miserable than every other human that walks on earth. That's what it says. You are, you are more miserable. You are more, you're more hopeless. You're just doing a bunch of stuff. If there's no life after death, then Jesus is still dead. If he's still dead, then our faith is worthless and we're still slaves to our sin. We just put a religious face on it. If we only have hope in Jesus in this life, then people should feel sorry for us. In other words, if there's no future, there's no present. Hope about the future makes the present real. If Jesus doesn't have anything to do with what happens later, then he doesn't have anything to do with what happens now. This is the argument that Paul the Apostle was making in 1 Corinthians. But the opposite is also true. If Jesus is alive, then there's life after death. And if there's life after death, then our faith is not worthless. And we don't have to be slaves to sin. And we have real hope in this life and the life to come. This past week... We had an um, unbelievable tragedy. It's amazing to me the contrast. At, at 3 o'clock on Thursday, I attended a memorial service in this room... For a young lady who was tragically killed in an automobile accident at about 26 years old. She'd had many struggles. But in the past many, many months, she had turned her life over to Christ. And had begun to see God do wonderful things in her life. Someone who was close to her told me she's at the best place with God she's ever been. She wasn't struggle-free. At 5 o'clock, 
I went to another viewing of another 26-year-old who had been married two years and who had more or less died in her sleep with congestive heart failure. She was a, a distant cousin of mine in Pelham. The difference between those two gatherings was profound. I sat and watched Katie's dad, who knew Jesus, sit in this sanctuary with his hand lifted at the funeral, saying, somehow, God's going to make this all right. Somehow, I don't understand it. I can't answer the questions. But somehow, if God can affect later, somehow God can affect now. I went to another gathering... And most of the people there, I don't think had a... I know the part that's in my family has hardly any relationship, no relationship with God at all. And the hopelessness, the reality to them that this is it and never another word will be spoken about this again. There's nothing else can be said. But what Paul's argument here was is there's more to be said. That's not the final word on the subject. There's one real hope, and it's a person. It's not a thing. It's not a picture. It's not your grandchildren. It's not a lucky rabbit's foot. It's not you deserving it because somehow you've had a hard life. Hope is a person. It's not a thing. It's not a belief. It's not a system. It's not a religion. It's not a denomination. Hope is a person. The hope is based on one simple, indisputable fact. The dead body of Jesus has never been found. The only world leader, the only leader of a religion the world has ever known's body has never been found. That's what everything we believe hinges on. It's the only religion that can say that. The body of Jesus has never been found because it's not there. It's not there because he's not dead. He's not dead because he's living. He's living because he's alive. And if he's alive, we have hope. Hope that backs its way out of eternity straight into our life. If all we have is hope for now, you should feel sorry for every Christian you ever met. But if we have hope then, and, and until Jesus' dead body's found, we have hope. And it'll never be found. So we'll always have hope, and that hope overflows from eternity straight into our life now. What does real hope mean? If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Just put it in your Bible and, and, and pull that thing out and just think about it later today. Let me tell you what real hope is. It means that every painful part of my life is temporary. Every painful part of my life is temporary, but hope is permanent. Hope is then and hope is now. And hope will never change. Hope is eternal. Because hope is a person. 
If Jesus lived again after he died, then you and I will too. But not like we do now. The Bible says he'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sorrow. Let me just describe for you what that means. No more prescription glasses. No more hearing aids. No more medicine. No more little peel boxes that you say Monday and Tuesday. and All that's gone. No more disease. No more hereditary problems. No more worry or fear or doubt or anger or, or emotional problems or psychological dysfunctions. I have an eight-year-old son who, who mixes his own insulin and takes it in a syringe and injects it in his own body four times a day. He checks his blood sugar six times a day. Hope will outlast his diabetes. All that's temporary. That's what hope is. Hope means every painful part of your life will not last. It cannot survive. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I want you to look in this verse again for the word hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Leave that up there. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I don't have a lucky rabbit's foot. I don't know what number to pick in the case. I don't have any kids' pictures with numbers on the back. But can I tell you the one fact that I base the hope that I have on? Jesus' dead body has never been found. That's the basis for the hope that I have. And the Bible says it's living, it's not dead. If Jesus rose from the dead, it means that we will too if we know Him. Since He was raised from the dead, now think about it with me logically, it also means that everything else He said was true. It has to. He didn't lie His whole life and then come back from the dead. If he came out of the ground, then that means every word he spoke was true and has life in it. Real hope is living and is based on a fact. It's based on content. It's not just a wish. It's not good thinking. It's not soup for the soul. It's not habits for having a healthy mental life, it's real. It's real. And if everything he said was true, then his power and presence are active in my life to help me face every temporary thing that will not outlast hope. Jesus has given me a new birth, the Bible says, into a living hope. It's not just a future hope. It's a present hope. Real hope lives all other sources of hope now now zone in with me for a minute all other sources of hope will eventually let you down i mean if you're honest with yourself haven't you ever hit that moment in life 
where you had a job offer or a relationship was starting or some opportunity was coming your way and you thought deep down inside your own emotional life, you thought, this is it for me. This is the break. This is the thing that's going to make me what I thought my life would be. This is the thing, man, that's going to make it happen. Now, what about that? Let's talk about that. What about that? How's that, how's that working for you? Has it in any point let you down? Has there been any sense about it that it wasn't what you expected? I believe that so many times we base our optimism on dead hope. On things that can't nourish our soul. Real hope isn't a feeling. It's not balanced on the scale of fairness in the, in the cosmic universe. It's not based on lucky numbers or cliches and positive self-talk. It's not based in doing more good things than bad things. I'm convinced that when we journey to the end of even the most hopeful parts of life, in the end, they will all let us down. But there's one thing that won't let you down. It's an empty tomb. The hope that will live longer than you and me is the resurrected body of Jesus that means that everything he said was right, everything he said was true, and his hope will live now and forever. The only place to find real hope is in an authentic, growing, life-giving relationship with Jesus. If you're a believer, if you have a relationship with God, I want to challenge you this Easter. Don't ever give up on the resurrection. If you're not a believer, if you're not sure if you have a relationship with God or not, I want to encourage you this Easter, give up on everything else. There's no hope in it. Oh, it'll make you feel better for a while. It might change your outlook for a little while. But I'm going to tell you, just, just as sure as the seasons change and time keeps going, that thing will come back around eventually and you'll say, well, I thought that was going to do it. I thought that was going to be it. But it's not it. Two years ago, on Good Friday, on, on the Saturday after Good Friday, when my wife and I lived in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi, we were, we were down. Uh, we had a, a work day at our church to kind of clean the property up to make it look good for Easter. And there was a guy there. We were digging holes in the ground, planting flowers in front of the church, planting bushes. And this guy named Chad was there. He had showed up on Saturday to help us. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about his you know, where he came from. I just knew he'd been in our church for a little while. And he said, he's sitting there on a shovel handle, looking at me, saying, almost moved to tears. He said, I never told you about my life, did I? I said, no. 
He said, two years ago, I was in a rehab, and somebody slipped me one of your sermon tapes. He said, I listened to that thing, and God spoke to me, and, I, and, and it was right at Easter. And he said, and I, and I came that Easter Sunday, two years ago, and I gave my life to Christ. And, and the thing about Chad is, for 22 years, Chad was a drug addict. He was a cokehead. He had done bad drugs for a long time. And he was in a rehab when he got the tape. He said, I got to get out of rehab for Sunday night. I came to that Sunday service. He said, I, I invited Jesus into my life. And he said, can I tell you something? He cleaned me up. I don't have drugs in my life anymore. This is two years. He said, I don't have drugs in my life anymore. I haven't done any more drugs. And he said, you know what happened? He said, yesterday morning, which was Good Friday, he said, the alarm went off, and I opened my eyes, and he said, I just started to cry. He said, because I realized that today, 2,000 years ago, was the day that Jesus stretched his life out and died for me. And he said, since that time, I've brought six more people to rehab with me. And I've talked to them about the Jesus that changed me. That is not a rabbit's foot. And it's not a dream. And it's not fake. And it's not for somebody else. I'm telling you, there's a real hope. There's a hope that'll hold you like an anchor when life storm blows through your life and gives you the best it's got. That's the song we sang earlier. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ. 24 years ago, I knelt in my living room in my parents' house at 2 o'clock in the morning my heart was empty. I was frustrated. I was directionless. I was confused. And I just knelt down on my knees in my living room. And I just began to pour my heart out to God. And I just said, God, if you're real, I mean, if you're really there, I don't hear you, I don't see you. If you're really there, come into my life. Because I get the feeling that there's more to live in than what I know. And I don't know what to do about it. I had an inner, an inner emptiness. And I remember just saying to God... If this is all there is to living, I'm not sure I want to live anymore. And I want to tell you something. God came into my life in such a profound way. That I'm standing here before you today telling this story. What would cause that? There's real hope. 
If you don't know God, there's real hope. If you know God and you're overwhelmed this Resurrection Sunday, there's real hope. There's hope that won't disappoint you, hope that won't let you down, hope that won't drop you. Because of the hope that came into my life, it's made such an incredible change that I have dedicated spending the rest of my life telling other people that there's hope.